Huron City Radio. Huron City Radio. Huron, Huron, you've been listening to. Huron, Huron City Radio. Huron City Radio. You've been listening to. Huron City Radio's Midnight Hour. Lovers, and welcome to the midnight hour broadcasting from the largest body of fresh water anywhere on the planet. Except it's not water right now, it's friggin' ice. My boat and I are frozen solid in it. I nearly got off of here last week. I'm Tim Bibbidjib. I'm Tom Babajobsky, and while I'm freezing my fucking clackers off, I'll be bringing you the usual bucket of joy. Music, drama, all the regulars, and with any luck, the supply rack will make it out here. As all I've eaten in a week is a, a seagull remnant popsicle. And there must be some matches on this ship somewhere. Oh, that birthday cake I was sent, with all those candles. Mm. Uh, sorry, listeners. Uh, here, here's a word from t- tonight's sponsors. Come to Uncle Jack's County Shack and try the Kitten State's signature dish. You'll love our authentic county sauce, the trademarked Colonel Beef Heart, with genuine fresh beef hearts. Yeah, we rip them out and grind them right at your fucking table. Bring the kids. Uncle Jack's, where Cody's is your friend. Oh, Cody's. Food. I am so hungry. Ah. I can't even get into their samples that they sent. Frozen solid. I've already cleft a couple molars trying. I found the matches, but no candles, so uh, no micro barbecue just yet. Oh, brr. Anyway, coming up tonight, we have, uh, we have, oh God, my fingers are turning blue. We have, oh, that's it. It's that time of year for the annual Genius of the Great Lakes quiz here exclusively on Huron City oh. Radio. Now, after the rigors of the qualifying tournaments, the four finalists will be joining us not just to compete for the prestige of winning the title, no, but also to have the chance to receive this uh, unique trophy of, uh, Jesus, what the? Uh, trophy of a brain emerging from water, surrounded by flapping loons and a smiling muscalunge? <clears throat> all handcrafted in epoxy resin by local artist Petunia Avalanche. All right, later on we have all the regulars, whatever the hell they are, but first we have... What do we have? Oh, oh, I feel a little faint. What's that, Eric? Oh, really? Oh, what do you know? Hey, here's some music from a smart little outfit of fine fellas called Naysayin'. Naysayin'. Nay! <laughs> like a horse. Or she says nay. <laughs> oh, hey, Eric. You know where that emergency ration kit is? Yeah, the one the sailor left. Come here, horsey. Nay. <laughs> Cocaine is my trophy real wild. Wind blowing through the palms, crazy outside. My eyebrows are about perfect. My breathing is a bit shallow. I dream a genie with no face. I dream a genie with no face. It's all about the chase. It's all. 
all about the chase, it's all about the chase. It's all about the chase, it's all about the chase. It's all about the chase. Only for projections of lust and rage, fear and jealousy, maternal inattention. I have a deep well of self hate. Turn it on, never a female's face. I guess no horses in that one. Man, I could eat a horse. God, I, I could eat horse shit. I'm so hungry. 
Yeah, really, a little salt, drop a ranch. All right, so what about the supply raft, Eric? I, I know it can't make it through the ice, but I don't know. How about a sled and some huskies? Oh, you've only got a Jack Russell? Well, I don't care. Go to the pound, hitch up some strays to a harness, and get me some vittles out here. And toilet paper. I've used all my gloves, which is why my, my hands are so cold. <sighs> now, where was I? Oh, yeah, anyway, uh, now, now it's time for the quiz. So you folks sit back and gasp in amazement at the finest minds the Kitten State has to offer. It's time for... The Genius of the Great Lakes, here on City Radio's annual Brainiac Bash. Uh, a big welcome to all our c contestants. I bet you're all home nice and warm with a full fridge, you lucky, lucky bastards. Now let's quickly meet our four finalists, starting with Harry H. Corset III from the Kitten State's one and only traveling mission of Repent and Reload with the Church of St. Wendell the Belligerent. And a fine day on Earth when the succulent Harry H. Corset can be heard by all the Almighty's little children thanks to the wonder that he created in Huron City Radio. Uh, succulent? What the? Uh, Alright, thank you. Uh, our, our next contestant is Miranda Marimba from Huron City, and it says here that you are the city's only state-qualified elephant trainer? Yes, Tom. You are 100% correct. <laughs> elephant trainer? You get much work in, uh, in Huron City? Yes, Tom. I'm fully booked six months out. Really? Yes, Tom. Really? Really? Yes, Tom. Really? No, I, I mean, really? Look, Tom, haven't you got other contestants to introduce? Oh, oh uh, yes. Uh, thank you, Miranda. Miranda? What? It's Miranda. That's what I said. You said Miranda. Well, that, that's your name, Miranda Marimba. Miranda Marimba. Fuck's sake. All right, next up from Huron City Library, a welcome to, are you shitting my pips, Lucinda Marimba? Good evening, Mr. Baba Jobski. Hey, hey, I've already talked to you. No, 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 that was my sister, Miranda. What? We're identical twins. Really? Really. Really? Yes, Tom, really. How about that? I bet you get up to all sorts of hoo-hahs and trickery fuckery. Not really. Mr. Baba Jobski. Okay, okay, only asking. And, uh, last and definitely least, our final contestant and current holder of the title of Genius of the Great Lakes four years in a row, a big hello to Rocky Angel of Anchor Falls. Uh, hey, hey, hey there, Mr. Mr. Tominomsky. Sir, I, I see it's nice out tonight. I, I had raspberries for dinner, and I, I like Sundays better. I, I don't like the smell of granite, but I don't, I don't, I don't know why. Why it must be the shoe shine that they bring on the freight train sticking around the face. Uh, and he hello to you, Rocky. Geez, Eric, I always forget how the hell he wins fuck all. Uh, all right, let's not uh, waste any more time than we really have to. Oh, oh, hang on. Oh, whew, I thought I was going to faint. Oh, that's better now. Okay. Sorry. Uh, round one, and, and that's the specialist subject round. And first up, it's the Reverend Harry H. Corset with his subject, The Life of St. Wendell the Belligerent. You ready? 
I am ready to serve the wisdom of St. Wendell. Okay, let's start the clock. Oh, oh, hang on there. What clock are you speaking of? The clock. You have a certain amount of time for your questions. Our omnipotent overlord is not confined by the human values of such things as time. Uh, your clock is ticking. This is a blasphemous outrage. Well, that may be, but do you want this question or not? Oh, well, go on, you sinner. On which day is the Feast of St. Wendell? It is held on the 42nd of Ezra Toba. That's correct. Uh, what event was Wendell supposed to have witnessed that put him on the road to salvation? He saw the heathen throng indulging in their wicked backyard a cornhole jubilations. Correct. What was St. Wendell's pet halibut called? <laughs> well, a lady of the sacred waters, of course. <laughs> Correct. How many people was St. Wendell reported to have cured of gingivitis at the miracle of the trash heap of Huronsville? Of 32, and I should know, for I was there. Well, hallelujah for you. You! You, you fool! You cannot use his name in just a... Wh whose name? I, I didn't use a name. Well, there you go, Harry. Time's up. Oh, you do not need time in the eternal heaven promised to us in his glorious book of Nazca. Thank you, Eric. All right, now, uh, Miranda. It's Miranda. Tomato, potato, uh, anyway. Your specialist subject is bricks. Let's go. Who held the first patent for the hugely unpopular nighttime aromatic brick? Oh, oh, um, Joan of Arc. That's correct. How many bricks are in the Huron City Municipal Fireworks Depository? Oh, uh... 938,673. Oh, I, I'm afraid you're four away. That was the old number. They did a recount. Well, my card says you're wrong, so eat my brick. What was the first business in Huron City to have been made using eco-friendly bricks constructed from discarded scratch cards found behind a waffle factory? <gasps> Big Emma's House of Wax! Nope, it's the Great Guy Diner's Outhouse. According to historians, what material was the first ever brick made of? Oh, 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 I know this! I know this one! Um, um, nuns! No, I'm sorry you didn't know that. The answer is nuns and rats. What? You can what all you like. It's wrong. Oh, and that's the end of your questions. And now on to your twin, Lucinda. Lucinda. All right. Your chosen subject is the Huron City Library. Hi-ho, let's go. What was the first book ever to be borrowed from Huron City Library? Eels and Electricity by Thomas Edison. Correct. How many times has the library been burnt down in both suspicious and non-suspicious circumstances? Oh, um, 12 and 4. Fire. Oh, man, I would love some heat right now. I must have some way to create heat. That's brass monkeys in here. My clock is ticking, Mr. Babajowski. Oh, sorry, sorry, Lucinda. All right, who was the first mascot of Huron City Library's interstate classification team? Sassy Gemma the Golden Goose. Correct. Oh, goose. Mm, mm, so tasty. I bet Gemma was mm, succulent, much more so than the Reverend Harry Nickers. My questions, Mr. Babajowski. Oh my god, I am so hungry. Well, that wasn't fair. Hey, don't talk to me about fair. I bet you've had breakfast this week. I only had four questions. 
Last contestant, Rocky, your specialist subject is the economic policies of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. It's best when it's hairy and I asked if he had a watch to strap to spare. <sighs> okay, so between the years 1900 to 1904, what percentage of GDP did the empire spend on armaments? 2.6%. Uh, correct. At the start of World War I, which major European country was the only one to have a lower GDP than the Empire? Italy. Italy, yes, correct. Who was Dmitro Vitovsky? He was the organizer of the, the November Revolution that led to the proclamation of the West Ukrainian National Republic. Fuck me, correct. All right, by 1913, what was the length of the Austrian Empire and Kingdom of Hungary's rail network? 43,280 kilometers. Uh, no, in proper measurements? 26,890 miles. Correct. Well, bless my pickles. Uh, I'll be the one doing the blessings if you don't mind, Baba Jobscare. Okay, well, God, I hope Eric is keeping count. I I'm certainly not. Let's move swiftly on, shall we, so I don't have to think about my, my rumbling tummy. Mm. All right, round two. Guess the mystery sound round will require buzzers, so let's hear your buzzers. Rocky. Lucinda. Reverend. Melinda. It's Miranda. I told you. I told you, Eric. Oh, it'll be okay if they all have the same buzzer, you said. God's sake. Well, you'll all have to, I don't know, uh... Make a noise other than your buzzer, or or I'm not going to know whose turn it is. Uh, Lucinda, make a noise. Uh, what kind of noise? Any noise. Hurry up. My feet are freezing to the floor. Be damned! Hey, enough of that. No, that is my noise. Oh, okay. Sorry. You see, Lucinda, it's not that hard. Buzz. That'll do. Maramba? Miranda! Good as any, I guess. Uh, Rocky. All right. Fair enough. All right. What is this sound? No, it's stuck. I can't get it out. No, <clears throat> not that one. Jeez, this one. Oh, damn it. Reverend Harry H. Corset. It is the devil breaking the fingers of all of you sinners in the fiery pits of hell. Uh, no. No, 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 that's not it. Miranda! It's, it is a, um... A crackling fire! <laughs> no. Rocky? Yeah, it's a fireman treading on clams as he walks across the station forecourt. Uh, yes, that's correct. All right, next one. Boo! Lucinda? An angry cardinal. Wrong. Oh, damn you! Harry? It is the devil himself! Oiling the wheels of damnation for all of you sinners. Uh, no. You got better ideas, Rocky? Hey, it's a mouse training for a half marathon on a treadmill. Well, I'll be. Correct. Huh. You never can judge a book by its, uh, what is it, uh, can you? Uh, unless you're a, a judge in a contest involving books, I guess. Huh. All right, uh, next sound. Doing what? No. A ringing out of a flannel filled with custard while walking on stilts. Uh, correct. I'm not sure I want to do any more of this round. Yeah, I'm not sure I actually want to do any more of this quiz altogether. Wait, what's that? Uh, contractually obligated.
Oh, the radio station owner. Uh, oh, okay. All right. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, on to the last round now. What about the literature round? Eh, who cares? And the questions on the martyrs. Uh, there is no such round. Well, there hell should be. So, on to the final quickfire general knowledge round. But it's not time for that yet. General knowledge or GTF. Answer as soon as you buzz. Wrong answer, you lose a point. Whatever the fucking point is right now. Right? All right. What number am I thinking of? Oh, um, blah, 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 um, 78. <laughs> no, God, of course not. Bingo, my boy. All right, what country has this as its flag? What flag? Venezuela. Correct. I will pray for your soul, Baba Jomsky, but I fear it is too late. What is the average January rainfall on the Japanese city of Sapporo? 115 millimeters. Now, in real measurements... Hey, 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 what's going on? Four and one half inches. Correct. There is sure something mightily unholy going on with that man. An angel he certainly is not. All right, who is sitting last row, second in from the left, in the photograph of the Huron City High School varsity horseshoes team of 1952? Uh, Carlton McRaven. That's correct. I will pray for you all in the name of St. Wendell. Oh, glorious St. Wendell, oh belligerent one, we offer you our daily flagellation, so you I may shall be writing a letter of complaint to your manager, Mr. Bobajowski. Yeah, you do that. Come down you and bless us with your holy fire. Thank you, my panda. From all that is foul and petty on this calamity earth. And is you still so talking, Harry Nutter? The self-righteousness of the entitled and... It looks like the only one left, and as Eric tells me the score is the winner of this year's Genius of the Great Lakes for a record-breaking fifth time in a row, Rocky Angel. I had a little bear that I found under Berlin, and it had a lung, and, and they are special because they got them little dots on them, or without, without your every wish, and something is a backstop. Uh, all right, I'll be getting this plastic crapulence of a trophy to you somehow. No running in Easter! Uh, Verloli, this is all just a knapsack that I see for your yellow noises that I see. Thank you, Rocky. My guess is cheese handkerchiefs and a small olive is a happy... Phew. Well, that's that nonsense done for another 12 months. Well, after that ludicrous charade, it's time for... Oh, bum flaps. My fingers are so numb I can't press the buttons. Ah. And now it's time for... Tom's Top Tips. Tom's Top Tips. Bum, bum, bum. That's right, it's uh, Tom's Top Tips. We have a, a letter that a drone uh, dropped here on the deck. And uh, tonight, tonight we have a... Oh, man, oh, I can't even open the envelope. <sighs> All right, so tonight we'll... Uh, I will just have to give a general tip, one for uh, all the listeners out there. One my old pappy told me as he sat me on his knee, and one that's true to this day as it was back then, and that is, Son, don't dangle your balls in hot custard. Oh, I am so cold. I, I dangle anything in hot custard right now. I, I need to move before my circulation stops, stops circulating. I'm sure there's some exercise videos left over from when they used to rent this place out. Oh, and the buttons are big enough for me to press. This is great. Well, here we are. There's uh, there's three in the series. I guess I may as well start at the beginning. All right, here we go.
All right, ladies, welcome to Belinda's workout. Ladies. Let's start with some walking okay. on the spot. And here Ooh. we go. Ooh. And one, two, Ooh. three, four. Yes, Ooh. one, two, three, four. One, Ooh. two, three, four. Yes, Ooh. one, two, three, four. Ooh. That's right. Keep that blood pumping. Ooh. Now squat. Two, three, four. Uh, and up. Ah. Two, three, four. Squat. Ow. Two, three, four. Uh. And up. Ooh. Two, three, Ooh, four. Oh, my thighs. Let's okay. move down. Yep. Mm -hmm. On your back. Down. On my That's back? right. All right. And let's get to work on those pelvic floor muscles. Oh, pelvic what? Push those that, hips. I am on the floor. And clench ah, that butt. Uh -huh. Work it. Two, uh, oh, three, Jesus. four. Squeeze. Two, three, uh, four. Work it. Two, ah, three, four. Ah, squeeze it. Oh, two, three, ooh. four. Work. Two, my butt. three, four. Jeez. Squeeze. Two, three, four. These are all good for strengthening that vaginal canal. We don't want any permanent stretching down there. Strengthening and stretching my Squeeze what? Squeeze your keels and move your hips. Now, and what curl. is this? And curl. And curl. Exercises for the first and trimester. Curl. Oh, really? <laughs> That's it, ladies. Go on, girls. You can do it. Well, my butt does feel a little uh, tighter already. And I am warmer. And maybe I can find some music on the radio. <laughs> Hey, how are you? Look, I got a question for you. Are you sick and tired of all this gosh darn snow? I know I am. Well, hell yes, I That's am. why I started making civilian huh. legal fire expulsion devices, uh -huh. specifically designed to clear snow with a 25-foot cone of fire. Well, that, Introducing that perfect, the not a flamethrower. Never pick up another shovel in your life. Just one or two blasts from our molten flaming napalm spray, and your driveway will look like spring has come early. Oh, how are they going to get one and out of here? Should ever be Unless... Used outside of strict laboratory conditions. And listening to this, I can, agrees that not I can a make one of the can never be held liable for any damages to property, pets, and or children. So throw away those snow shovels, pack up your mittens, and sure say goodbye to ice and snow the with the not a flamethrower. I can, I can warm up and, and melt the ice. What, Eric? Oh, God, yes, I, I'm sorry, I completely forgot. Will you try concentrating on a stomach that's emptier than a senator's soul? <clears throat> All right, now, listeners, it's time for tonight's drama, episode one of Blood Diner. Blood. Oh, my God, that actually sounds delicious. Are you in yet? Nearly. It's my belt. Your belt? It's stuck on the, on the windowsill latch. <sighs> really? Yes, Really? Hang on, there... Oh. Whoa! Shh, be careful! I'm fine, thanks for asking. You're making too much noise. It's not as if anyone is listening. I'm breaking into a morgue, not some patriotic Pepper's paranoia party. I'm in the main corridor. It should be on your left, second door, the one after the restroom. Did you have to say restroom? I'm bursting. Seriously? I had coffee. I needed it. It's not every day I commit a crime. Just hurry up. I'm in. You certain it's her body? I, I don't want to be- I told you, Clem said he'd leave her out. Uh, this is so creepy. I still don't know why you need this photo. I can't have a story without proof. Oh my god, she's here, and- What? What is it? Uh, her- Archie, don't stop talking. Uh, her neck. Quit with the suspense. In her neck, the bite holes on both sides. Just take a picture and get out. Stop. Police. Keep still. Put your hands where I can see them. Uh, hey, Lenny. Archie? 
What are you doing here? Well, it's a medium-length story. <laughs> well, you can tell me it at the station, away from the dead bodies. Uh, let, let me, <laughs> um, let me tie your shoelace. It's untied. Let Ooh, me tie that, it. I good. don't want you to, uh... Yeah, I have a bad ankle already. I can't have you falling. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Archie. That's okay, Lenny. <laughs> Blood Diner by Daniel Williams. The first half. So you may be asking, why is a bright, articulate, ambitious young man sitting in a police cell having been caught breaking into Thornberry's morgue on a Thursday night and helping tie the shoelaces of a local detective on the way? It's a good question. And I like good questions because, after all, I'm a reporter. Oh, please, excuse me. Let me introduce myself. I'm Archie, Archie Fruber. Yes, I know both family names handed down to me, and I'd love to ram them straight back where they came from. I'm a reporter with the Huron City Bugler. For three years, I've rotted away without a decent story to make my name with, and I'm desperate for a big story to make some kind of name for myself and get out of this town and find a job in a real city. I get assigned to the stolen cars, the pothole repairs, and the walleye washing festivals. All the real scoops go to Dennis Blaine, senior reporter and all-around foul stench in the newsroom. So let's get to why I was in a police cell, waiting for my housemate to sell enough hash brownies for my bail, and the story I was chasing that got me there in the first place. Flashback. It was Monday morning in the Huron City Bugler's newsroom think tank. It was less than a think tank and more of a weekly meeting of Idiots Anonymous. Dennis Blaine wedged in his leather chair and swiveled in semicircles like a first grader. Craig and Cindy talked about potato and eggo muffins, while editor and owner Harvey Scallion Jr. sipped coffee through a straw and barked. Craig, there's been a spate of hubcap thefts in the North End. Go and see if Harry's Hubcap Emporium has new stock. And Cindy Bonnie Bonnie's Bakes and Bagels have upped their prices while decreasing the size of their tasty treats, and our readers want to know why. Harvey Scallion Jr. was the fourth Scallion to own the Bugler. His great-grandfather, Randolph Scallion II, had been printing paper for Huron City when it was nothing more but a spittoon for ships making their way across the Great Lakes. The Scallions had their fingers in just about each and every business since then, so that meant that the Huron City Bugler was about as impartial as a parent stepping into referee Little League on Sunday. Fruber! There's been a flock of geese stealing washing off of clotheslines down by the Greywater Bridge. I want you to interview the residents about their missing garments. And maybe see if you can't find a well-dressed goose or two. Mr. Scallion, I was hoping you'd let me follow up on that story we were discussing last week. The story in question involved $100,000, the Huron City Mayor, the traveling Irish butcher, and a llama named Lucille. Something big was lurking behind those players. Oh, that one? I've given that to Dennis. He knows people. You see, Arch... Archie, Archibald, I have a half-cousin who works for the mayor. I'll be able to get closer to the action. Dennis Blaine was related to most of the Huron City and Greywater area in some way or another. He had more cousins than a rabbit on Old Man Hobson's abandoned carrot farm. I've already been invited to the mayor's town hall reception this week. I'll be mingling and investigating while sampling those delicious uh, canips. Canopies? They're called canopies? Oh no, <laughs> they don't just serve cans of peas. They're these little tasty things he serves during the mingling part of the evening. Yes, I know what canapes are. Ah, oh, poor boy. Maybe one day you'll get to mix with the crust of Huron City's finest. Just leave this one to me and get back to your cubby hole. You see, 
you're still a cub reporter. <laughs> oh, ah, so good. I'm so good with words. And so I found myself down by the Greywater Bridge while Blaine was left to cover the story, my story, and one he'd had just about as much interest in as a nun opening a nudist colony during Lent. I spied a sock-wearing goose, and I was just about to give chase when my phone rang. Hello? Who is this? Is this Mr. Fruber, cub reporter for the Bugler? Yes, but I'm not actually still a cub reporter. I need to meet you on condition of complete confidentiality. I have a story that will drain your blood. I'll be upstairs, all in scarlet. We met at the Crooked Rook, the only cafe in town not connected to Scallion, or any of Blaine's crust of Huron City. She sat upstairs, a strawberry beret and an even brighter red lipstick giving her away just as she's said. Thank you for coming, Mr. Fruber. Call me Archie. I'd rather not. Mr. Fruber, what do you know about the stinking cadaver coffee bar and apothecary? The only thing I knew about the stinking cadaver was that I was banned from going in there after chasing a story that involved a proprietor, Eddie Spangler, and the exporting of contraband emu jerky. Turns out I'd spelled his name wrong, and Freddie Spangler made it to Argentina with a freighter load of meat. Well, I nearly lost my job. They have a basement that they rent out. Different parties and groups can hire it, but it's all very under the carpet. I thought you said it was in the basement. All very hush-hush, Mr. Fruber. As she spoke, I saw fear in her eyes. Or it could have been grit from one of those rock cages suspended over the ceiling. One such group is the Blood Sorrow Gathering. Have you heard of it? The Blood Sorrow Gathering? Yes, the Blood Sorrow Gathering. What's the Blood Sorrow Gathering? You've not heard of the Blood Sorrow Gathering? No. The Blood Sorrow... Sorrow Gathering, yes is a role-playing society that has been going many, many, many years. I knew of such societies, acting out fantasy to make up for the dullness of Huron City, groups such as the Listeria Society, who reenacted the Great Listeria Outbreak of 37, or the Tea Party Party, who staged battles over whether or not you put milk in your tea first or not. And what roles do the Blood Sorrow Gathering play as? Vampires, Mr. Fruber. They pretend to be vampires. And you think this is a story. Hmm, Sounds harmless enough. People gathering to share an interest, even if it is an interest in the undead, drinking blood and taking of people's souls. I was a member of the Blood Sorrow Gathering. She took off her beret and her fair hair tumbled like apples from a badly stacked supermarket display. She moved it to one side, revealing two marks on her neck. So one of them went too far. Well, when you role-play with weirdos, then you get to play weird roles, I guess. This was no role-play. This was real. This time I was sure the tears and fear in her eyes were real. There's a real vampire in there. I would have asked her why she didn't go to the police, but then Huron City Police Department didn't believe Europeans existed, let alone vampires. You have to uncover this before someone gets killed, or even worse, becomes one of them. She left the Crooked Rook, but not before she left a name, Aurora Anderson. And she also left her beret. I went to find her to return her hat, but the street outside was empty. I had no option but to get to the stinky cadaver as it smelt like a story that could have been my ticket out of here. Despite being banned, I still had hope of access, as my housemate, Tabitha Chocolate, worked at the bar. As soon as work was done, I'd make my way there. But right now, I had an angry Harvey Scallion waiting for me. Fruber, is this all you have? 
One wearing a waistcoat and one in a red beret. But I have lots of distressing first-hand accounts of people having to go without underwear. A news story is only as good as its pictures, Fruber. Honestly. After I'd called the angry poodle owner and failed to get him to wait for a picture, I typed in Blood Sorrow Gathering to see what the search threw up. Blaine squeaked around in his leather chair and I could feel him preparing to regale me with his usual brand of manure. He trundled up beside me before I had time to shut my search window. But instead of insults, his face looked as white as the flower he'd once snorted in the office bathroom thinking it was cocaine. What story is this? Oh, no story, Dennis. You happen to know of any blood sorrow gatherings in these parts? <laughs> Why would I know anything about your parts? I meant Huron City. Do you know any blood sorrow gathering in Huron City? No, I... I've not heard of that. You need to get back to your job. You know the policy on using the computer. I did know the policy, and it certainly didn't involve watching videos of old women doing their makeup and plucking their eyebrows that Blaine seemed to love. I knew he knew something about my search words, but he was unlikely to tell me the truth. I went to him about it once more, and Blaine showed me the side of him he pretended didn't exist. Listen good, Frubber. Some things in this town are none of your business, or even my business. You want to keep your job here, then you better listen to my advice for once in your life. And I did want to keep my job. I needed to pay rent, buy food, and all the other responsibilities of being alive. Plus, there was little else I could do but write. And Huron City had little use for those skills unless it was Huron City you were writing about. As soon as I'd written 350 words on the perils of potholes, I made my way straight to the stinking cadaver. I'd tried to call my mysterious red-lipped informant so I could return her beret and hopefully see her again, but she never answered. From the street, the stinky cadaver looked like the set of a B-movie. Well, inside smelled of coffee and tequila mixed with small-town desperation. I wore a tattered beanie hat with an old jacket and a collar popped up, but by the look in Tabitha's eyes as I approached the bar, I'd done about as good of a job being incognito as a penguin at a barnyard dance. What the heck, Archie? You look like you were ambushed by a Goodwill store. Like me, Tabitha was looking for a ticket out of Huron City. But while I was looking for a big break, Tabitha was looking to save her money for an actual ticket, so she could go and travel the world, selling her homemade baked goods as she went. You're banned, Archie. What do you want? What do you know about the Blood Sorrow Gathering? Shh! What are you trying to do? Get me fired? Are they meeting now? No, get out. Tomorrow? Archie! The day after? I can tell you at home, you idiot. You need to leave before Eddie sees you. I could hear voices behind me, and one of them was Eddie Spangler's. Tabitha looked at me, and I knew in uncertain terms that I had to get out. Immediately. Everything alright, Tabby? Then walk 50 yards past Batgammon Pizzas, and the bus stop to Anchor Falls is on the left. Strange man I've not seen before. I took the hint and vacated the stinky cadaver before Eddie had the chance to recognize me. I went home and waited for Tabitha. I tried the Strawberry Beret woman's cell phone once more, but got the same lack of reply. I kept thinking about Blaine and his panic over searching for the Blood Sorrow Gathering. That and Beret Woman's bite marks told me that there was more to this than simply assemblage of socially awkward horror fans trying to get their leg over. As soon as Tabitha came home, I pressed her for more information. What I can tell you, Archie, we have a lot of goofball groups use that basement. I just serve them coffee and cocktails and try not to talk to them. But you must know something. This blood sorrow gathering, Blaine was definitely spooked by something. He started to sweat like a barbecued hog, and the woman who contacted me was certainly worried enough to meet with me. Perhaps you recognize this beret? That belongs to Bella. How did you get that? So you do know something. I know that's Bella's hat. I'd recognize it anywhere. 
I've never seen her without her beret. She's not answering her phone. You heard of Aurora Randerson? Aurora Randerson? No, Aurora Anderson. Aurora and his son? Oh, it's easier to say in my voiceover. I need to get back into the stinking cadaver. On the night the blood sorrow gathering, gather. You're not going in dressed like that. If we're going to get you in, you need to look like you might have some interest in virgins and drinking blood. I had to wait a couple of days until the next gathering of the pretentious vampire wannabes. I didn't believe that there was a real vampire attending, but with Blaine's blunt manner and Bella's bruised bite marks, well, something clearly needed to be investigated. Tabitha said Bella always wore that beret. I assume she didn't need the one she'd left to the crooked rook either because her wardrobe was full of such headwear. Or something more unpleasant had befallen her. I needed to see what Aurora Anderson... See? It is easy to say in the voiceover. To see what Aurora Anderson had to say, as Bella had given me her name for a reason. In the meantime, I still had nearly 500 words of copy to complete the annual St. Arugula Blessing of the Kayak Ceremony from the previous weekend. I want that on my desk by the end of the day, Fruber. And Dennis, good luck tonight. Just be discreet. This paper didn't get where it is today by indulging with indiscretions or tittle-tattle. Why, of course, Mr. Scanlon. I was still sore about not being given the chance to look into the mayor and llama caper, and even though I was focused on the goofy gatherings of the stinky cadaver, I didn't want to abandon what should have been my story altogether. Of course. Of course I'll bring my spinning bow tie. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. See you tonight. Are you sure I can't work this story, Blaine? After all, I was the one who brought it to Mr. Scallion's attention. Arch, Archie, Archibald, you know so little about this town, despite living here all your life. Den, Denny, Dennis, how the hell am I supposed to get to know anything and anyone when no one gives me a break? Maybe Scanlon doesn't think you are suited to the more complex tasks of the newsroom. You know... We all have to accept our place in the world at some stage. The earlier you accept it, the less heartache you'll suffer, especially for someone with, how shall we say it politely, limitations. You have no desire to find out anything about the mayor than I have desire to find out what color underpants you have on. But I do have a desire to reach early retirement in the good standings with the great and good of Huron City. Blaine was close enough that I could see where he plucked his unibrow. He kept banging on about how he had only three years left. Three years more and the company of this sweaty hack appealed to me about as much as brushing my teeth with wool wire and Preparation H. You're not got long to wait. Then you can have my position. If you not wrecked your chances by actually trying to find real news. I'm a better reporter than you, Dennis, and we both know it. <laughs> Let's just say that if you started your career in my day before the age of spellchecker, then your application form would have failed the first hurdle. That's just dyslexia discrimination. Now go write about kayaks, little cub. Oh, and just so you know, my underpants are aquamarine. I took no more of his bait. And as soon as I finished my article, I went home and Tabitha prepared me for the blood sorrow gathering. With her makeup skills, together with the clothes she'd borrowed, I looked like a cross between an angry clown auditioning for the Moulin Rouge and a Transylvanian ventriloquist dummy. This should do. They really look like this? Sorta. Just don't go getting recognized or noticed. I'm risking my job sneaking you in. You won't know I'm there. Oh, I'll know you're there, alright. Just make sure no one else does. Thanks to Tabitha's makeup and disguise skills, I had no problem getting past Eddie Spangler's staff. Once in, the plan was to find Aurora Anderson and fire questions at her while taking surreptitious photographs. Maybe Bella would appear, but I wasn't holding out much hope. 
The crowd of people dressed like they were either auditioning for a 1980s new romantic band or an extra in a soft porn pirate zombie flick. I asked around to ascertain who was Aurora, but no one seemed to understand who I was talking about. I was getting nowhere fast when in walked a figure that caused heads to turn and the room to fall quieter than a stuffed pheasant. With black hair falling down to her navel and eyes darker than a Huron City pothole, a woman in a red velvet gown with a slit down the back as far as the L5 to S1 moved through the basement. As she mingled, the atmosphere started to crackle. This had to be Aurora. And as I edged my way towards her, she was already looking at me like I could be her supper. My, oh my. We have some new blood in here tonight. And such a handsome package of new blood indeed. Tell me, young sir... What should I call you, as well as delicious? I'd been called many things in my life, but delicious? Well, maybe once or twice now that I think of it. My name is Arch... Uh, Arch... Ar Arthur. What a princely name for one so noble. Tell me... Ar... Arthur. Are you really of noble breeding? Does blue blood run through every vein. I was not happy at the way her eyes darkened and nostrils flared when she looked at me, nor how her eyebrows clearly had too much makeup, and certainly not when she came close to me and ran her fingernails down my neck. Now don't be shy. You are allowed to speak. Aurora? Are you Aurora? It's Amora, but close enough for me. She moved her mouth towards my neck, while I cursed my spelling once more. But before she had the chance to do those despicable things I'd only seen in comic books, a gong rang out, and she pushed me to one side. Ah, well, we will have to do this another day, but you can stay and watch, my prince. She went and stood on a small platform at the end of the room, as the murmuring crowd formed two lines between which a woman in nothing but a hessian potato sack and white mask was led by two muscular men. Another man came forward. It was Eddie Spangler, manager of the joint, and Tabitha's boss. Welcome, Amora of the Blood Sorrow Gathering. Tonight, we bring you an offering, so that you may reign for another hundred years of feasting at the Blood Diner. As theatrics went, it was passable, but as a way to spend my evening, I'd rather have spent my night attending karaoke pet night at the Lithium Leprechaun. But what happened next made me glad I was there at the Stinking Cadaver, and not listening to a St. Bernard singing my way. They took off her white mask, and there, in bright red lipstick, and little else, was Bella. She sat beside Amora as more drinks were served. I sensed my chance and tried to get her attention. Bella! Bella! It's me! I've been trying to contact you! Her eyes were dark, and she clearly didn't recognize me. But then I remembered I currently looked like a gangster mime artist who'd been dressed by a child. Look! I have your beret! She put it on without a word of thanks. Who are you? It's me, Archie Fruber! What? Archie, what? I I'm sorry, it's very loud in here. I cursed my timing as the gong rang again, just as I spoke. It's me, Archie Fruber from the Huron City Bugler! I thought you said your name was Arthur. Fruber? What the hell are you doing here? <laughs> Hi, Eddie. Quick, get him! I tried to run amid the confusion, but it was only when Tabitha appeared and turned on the lights that I was able to make my escape while role-playing vampires remained in character and turned their backs from the sudden glare. Tabitha was not speaking to me when we got home, but I was only interested in what I'd seen. Something disturbing was going on. More disturbing than people just choosing to dress up with such lack of realistic references to their source material. Amora had made me feel like a vampire snack, and Eddie Spangler talked about the rain for another hundred years. It could have been roleplay had it not been for the appearance of Bella, a woman who, two days earlier, had warned me about the blood sorrow gathering and had had no intentions of going back. 
If Bella had been correct, and there was a real vampire among the pretenders, then Amora Anderson was the probable candidate. I needed to find out more. Going back into the cadaver was out of the question, unless I wanted Tabitha to lose her job and Eddie to rip my lungs out, but maybe a story in the bugler would spark some interest to bring people forward. You've got to be kidding me, Fruber! And I don't like to be kidded! Now take your photographs of degenerate ne'er-do-wells and get back to that story on the new 99-cent major store that's provocatively open next to the Dollar Sergeant. I sank back into my desk, but Blaine was clearly interested in our conversation, and he was not in a good mood. I heard you caused quite a scene last night, Freebird. How was your non-investigation into the mayor, Dennis? We ended up playing euchre until uh, the early hours, but seriously, continue like this, and you'll be looking for another job. <laughs> I hear O'Donnell is looking for a fry cook. What is it to you, Dennis? I thought you were happy to be working on the mayor. It's none of your business. Just like what goes on in what that awful cafe basement is none of your business. I'm a reporter. Everything is potentially my business. Such as why you are so interested in stopping me looking into the blood sorrow gathering. You couldn't investigate the cause of a leaky faucet, Freeber. I don't know why you believe you're so big shot when you're... You're actually a, um, eh, tiny fish in a relatively large pond. You're not going to stop me, Blaine. And I will find out what you know about the freaks down at the Stinky Cadaver and Amora Anderson. At the mention of Amora's name, Blaine turned redder than a baboon's backside. He pointed his finger at me and he spat his words. I'm warning you, Frobber. Don't mess with Dennis Blaine or you will end up in massive pain. For you, that is. <laughs> you hear that? How clever was that? His words were about as clever as the patent for a left-handed pencil, but in truth, Blaine had shaken me up. And I did need to keep my job, especially now that I had to find double the rent. Tabitha had moved out in a fit of anger, and I was going to have little joy convincing Scallion to run anything other than the stories he had assigned to me. But then a phone call from Tabitha kept my chin up. Archie, my friend Clem at Thornberry's morgue has been in touch. They have her. Have who? Bella. Are you sure? Yes, we were talking about the latest gossip, and he mentioned they had a delivery of a woman with bite marks and a strawberry beret. And so that's why I'm here, waiting for Tabitha to sell just enough of her foliage fudge fancies to pay my bail. For some reason, the police thought I was in the morgue to steal formaldehyde from drug dealers who had been making faulty drug tests to sell back to the police. And while on another day, that might have been a really good story, right now I had evidence of a blood-drained dead body caused by fan fiction that had crossed the line, even more than usual. But it was not Tabitha who had come to get me out. Talking to Detective Lenny Holbin was none other than Dennis Blaine. Lenny was handing him my personal items, and Blaine was taking the opportunity to look through my phone, smiling as he scrolled. Hi, Archie. Hi, Lenny. You're, you're flying low. Oh, thanks, Archie. Mr. Blaine has kindly sorted out your bail. You can go now. Blaine handed me my things, and we walked in silence out of the police station. I've done you a favor, little cub. And now you need to return that favor to your Lion King. Stop trying to win a Pulitzer and get back to reporting on dog poop issues on the lakeshore. And don't let your pride make you go and do something foolish. Pride. Lion. Cub. <laughs> I'm so good, so good with the words. It wasn't pride that was pushing me, but a cold body and a hot scoop of a story. A story big enough to get me out of this place. As soon as Blaine drove off, I searched through my phone. 
First thing in the morning, I'd go to Scallion and present the pictures he loved so much. Pictures of Bella, alive and dead, within the same space of 24 hours. But as I looked through my photographs, I was filled with despair quicker than a teenager closing his laptop when he realizes he didn't lock his bedroom door. Dennis Blaine had deleted all of my photographs and videos, and the lack of serviceable Wi-Fi at the Huron City Police Station meant there were no copies uploaded to the digital cloud. The only thing up in the cloud right now was my hope of getting a story that would propel me out of Huron City. You've been listening to Anson Pavlov as Archie Fruber, Scott Joseph as Dennis Blaine, Leah Gray as Tabitha Chocolate, Jamie Leslie as Bella, Sean Michaels as Harvey Scallion, Aisha Candisha as Amora Anderson, Paul Miller as Detective Lenny Holbin, and Jake Buckley as Eddie Spangler. Blood Diner was written and directed by Daniel Williams. The show was produced by Daniel Williams and Anson Pavlov, with sound editing and music by Anson Pavlov. Blood Diner was recorded at Parallel Studios and is an Albion Fields production for Huron City Radio. Hey, how are you? Look, I got a question for you. Are you sick and tired of how cold the water is in your in-ground pool? I know I am. That's why I started making civilian legal fire expulsion devices specifically designed to take your boring old pool and turn it into a boiling hot tub with a 25-foot cone of fire. Introducing the Not-A-Flamethrower. Never suffer for tepid pool water, shrinkage, or hard nibbles again in your life. Just one or two glass from our molten flaming napalm spray, and your frigid in-ground pool will be transformed into a glorious spa. The Nava Flamethrower should never be used to heat a tepid pool, and I'm seriously worried that this guy's insane. Please help up Captain Basement. So there. Now that looks like something that would shoot fire further than a roid-fueled dragon. With the Nava Flamethrower. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, where were we? <clears throat> All right, it's that time where we take a look at what's going on in Huron City and around the Greywater area. Coming up this weekend, it's the Huron City Cruise Night Convention, when folk of the Greywater area dress up as their favorite character from any Tom Cruise film, and then walk shamelessly through town. Entry is open to all ages, but remember, any male over 35 dressing as that dude from Risky Business will be put in a holding pen until nightfall. Do expect large crowds, but after last year's scuffles, your folding chair cannot secure your place more than three days prior to the event. And there's still time to join in the fun for Freezy Fest. Applications are still open for Ice Queen of the Fest, where competitors are encased in a block of ice and put on display in front of downtown businesses for all to see. The last one to defrost will be crowned Queen and receive a gift card for the ER of their choice, as well as some hot soup and a tinfoil blanket. Oh, boy, I would swap a kidney for a tinfoil blanket right now. Oh. Now it's time to see what the weather is like from the bottom of the lake with our underwater weather girl, Wendy Abalone. Wendy? Well, Tom, it's pretty wet down here tonight. And it's pretty chilly willy, too. Boo! Reports are in that a salt spill from a damaged fuetal has caused a huge hole in the ice. This, in turn, has attracted skating fishermen anxious to fuel their baffling addiction. 
So, unless you wish to be drawn into that particular waste of time, please avoid the area near the mouth of the lake. The hypothermia expectancy ratio is high, so don't venture swimming into the lake unless your aim is to meet an unpleasant, fruitless end. And I do believe some icicles have just started to form on my lady's front parlor. Back to you, Tom. Brr, thank you, Wendy. What a girl. Half heron, half biscuit. And what's next? I, oh, God, I can't think. Oh, that's right. More from tonight's sponsor. Uncle Jack's County Shack is pleased to announce our grand reopening. Our new shack, rebuilt from the ashes, features shoulder-to-shoulder seating on stranger-free Sundays. We'd like to welcome back recovering customers with our free fly of county, smothered in our rusty water-grade chili. Uncle Jack's, where counties is your friend. You know, folks, I've tried that chili. Just make sure you go prepared. That's all I'm saying. Now, <clears throat> later uh, we have more music from No Saying, plus an interview, plus the competition winner from last week, plus Tom's poetry pocket, plus me slipping into a coma of frozen torpor if I can't make this damn thing work. All right, but before all that, time to look into the more pressing matters of life with Professor A.V. Moore from A.V. Moore University. Tonight, Splicing Genes and the Future of Medicine. Did you know that certain subatomic particles known as electrons exist solely in a wave of probability unless observed by an outside consciousness. The act of observation forces the electron to become a particle and choose a definite point in space. This means <coughs> that the world around us is created by consciousness itself, putting to question the very existence of space, time, and the cosmos as a whole. So, I say, we get a big two-liter bowl and we fill it with food coloring and bacon soda and apple cider vinegar and we cap that wee bastard and shake it till it explodes. Well, I hope you can all sleep a bit better after that. All right, now, now another song, song from tonight's musical guest while I, I should try and see if my homemade uh, not-a-flamethrower can bring me some joy. We are the top heads, 
the garage is dividing line But I realize that I've broken you The cracks in the cement for the last time
right, hello, and a, a, a not-so-warm welcome to the Midnight Hour for uh, tonight's musical guest, Naysayan. Uh, fellas, welcome. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for yeah. having us. And, and uh, who, who do we have from Naysayan? Who, who are we talking to tonight? Uh, uh, Chris, singer, idiot. Andrew, the uh, drummer, recording engineer. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for, excuse me, for, for being here. That, that last song was called Beano which makes me think of beans. Oh, beans. Do you know how long it is since I've had a decent meal? Oh, I'm sorry. You're not here to listen to me. Uh, we're here to listen to you. So, uh, naysaying. How did you cl clever chaps come up with that name? Um. Well, I tried outsourcing it to, I went to a middle school and tried to gather as much information from the middle schoolers as I could, but that didn't end up so well. I ended up in jail and now I have to register as they call it got to be careful around those middle schools so naysaying uh you know that has kind of a negative connotation uh, you're the kind of guys that uh maybe sometimes do a bit of yay saying never what about play saying always blue jay saying 20 percent. a little doris day saying oh 100 bitch oh, oh we're split little miss buffett sat on her tuffet eating her curds and away saying never okay good to know all right, that's all I've got. Uh, how long have you been making this arrangement of noises together now? 2015, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So, right about time it started coming its own. Yeah. So, you've been doing this for a while. That's good. Hey, <clears throat> give me a second. Oh, sorry, feeling kind of faint. So, who plays what? Uh, it sounds like there's uh, dozens of you uh, on that stage playing music. Yeah, we have uh, 22 members in all. I sing and, and sing and sing. And Andrew plays drums. Yeah, now we've got uh, shaker player, tambourine player, conga player, bongo player, triangle player, a couple of trumpet players, two guitarists, a bassist. Oh, there's a clave player. But who who in the band plays the kazoo? Uh, if you heard that, it was purely an illusion, and or you maybe have a pirated copy, and that's the signal. So uh, we may want to talk after. If you don't have a kazoo player, I happen to know somebody that's pretty good. Always looking at as he hums and doesn't blow through it. Well, that's okay. So uh, we'll we'll talk after the interview. This could this could be uh, very interesting. I have to ask: if your band had to play through an oncoming plague, which which would you choose? Frogs, locusts, or fish flies? I'd go with fish flies. I guess less weight. Regionally, it's kind of going with what we know already. Yeah. Fish flies it is. Fish. Mm. They all sound delicious, to tell you the truth. Frogs, locusts, fish flies. All right, down to the stuff the listeners really want to get their groove to. What is the longest you've ever had a library book that was overdue? Still have some 10 to 15 <laughs> years later. I don't think I ever pushed the limit of that. However, on a similar tip, I definitely still have in my possession a Netflix DVD that is, as far as they're concerned, been lost. I, I do have to warn you, gentlemen, that the librarian at the Huron City Library is a big fan of the show. So I'm just I'm just going to warn you about that. I, I think you'll be okay. But the only reason that I bring it up, I found some uh, old library books in my bedroom. And I know they're way overdue. I, I was actually making a pile of things to burn to try and get some some heat in here. Hey, I, I don't suppose you know where I could get maybe seven or eight huskies in a sled by any chance, do you? I know a guy. I'll get back to you. Appreciate it. Nanook of the North. Nanook or Rico with the sled dogs. It's 
Reminds me, uh, guys, of a, a time when I ran away to join the circus and found out they, they'd already left. <clears throat> I ended up hitchhiking all the way out to Santa Fe with nothing but a banjo-playing corgi for company, and when I got there, they said it was closed for the weekend, so I, I had to turn around, wave Simon the corgi farewell, made my way back here to the kitten state by, by posing as a hubcap on seven different Greyhound buses. This is all true. Any of you ever have a road trip that you'd perhaps like to share the details of? I once trip a took a road trip with a corgi also and it was too bad because he was super racist and we got kicked out of everywhere we went corgis do tend to be racist i don't quite understand it's all the inbreeding god save the queen all right if all of our listeners out there want a bit of naysaying nagging in their ears how could they find you uh, we're on all major streaming platforms uh spotify apple music you can find us on bandcamp if you'd like to purchase any of our music on bandcamp uh, that is the maximum way we can receive any proceeds. Uh, we've also got a few of our singles up on YouTube. I think it's just a simple naysaying search for the YouTube channel. We've got some live performances. All these streaming services you speak of, these are all on the internet, correct? Allegedly. I still don't have internet out here on the boat. Gentlemen, I'd like to thank you, and if you have any way of getting food to me, I'd greatly appreciate it. I'd listen to your music for the rest of my life, and on my deathbed, if you could just, just send some food out here. A big midnight hour thank you to Naysayan. Hooray! <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's try this baby out. You know, I, I may need more fuel. Where are those matches? Hmm. Oh, yes, there's just time to announce the winner of uh, last week's competition and a, a pat on the back to Mr. A. Trebek of 7th and Catchphrase, whose answer of B3 through to B7 correctly sunk the battleship. And now as the frost of time hardens the dew in my balls, it's time to see if I can get anything out of a pocket with fingers I can no longer feel. All right, what's this? Dear Mr. Bubba, blah, 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 reject your patent application, dum dum. The walrus milking machine, ill-thought, though uh, reckless. Oh, oh no, the, okay, that's not it. <clears throat> Other side, here we go. Untitled, death number one. Even the mild winter weather goes mentioned, but unnoticed. Not even the warmest of days can prevent death turning it as cold as ice and nails. Not even a burning fire can glow its freezing blast. If life is warm, then death is certainly cold. Cold cries and cold comfort, no heat when days skate by. If only hell is hot, then prefer I this, than the ice of death and cool of heaven. Moist earth, give me strength. No frost this summer can I bear. Okay, now let's see, Where, where's that coil and all those ground up matches? Come on, don't fail me now. Well, maybe, hey, maybe some more of this lighter fuel. Oh no, oh no. No, no, it's, it's working too well. Oh shit. Fuck my old boots! 
God, the studios! The studios are flame! Uh, oh. You've been listening to uh, the Midnight Hour with, with, with Tom Baba Jopsy. Ah! Ah, shit! Not the trophy! I want to quit. Oh, no. Thank you to all our quiz contestants. Oh, God, it's starting to look like a jellyfish after an accident. Ow, 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 ow. Thanks to Wendy and Professor A.V. Moore. And, of course, of course, a big thanks to uh, musical guest Day Sand. Oh, no, oh, no. No, no, no. On my desk as well. Gratitude to tonight's sponsor, Uncle Jack's Cody Shack, where Cody's is your friend's. Is this what happened to your old building, Uncle Jack? God. Oh God, stop it, flames! What's that? Oh, this burnt out cupboard. Hey, it's the ration tin the sailor left. Hey Eric, I found some food. Oh, fucking Nora, that's hot. Oh God, my fingers. I can feel them now. Oh, they hurt. So bad. Listening to the Midnight Hour on Huron City Radio with Tom Ababajowski. You heard the voices of Tom Ababajowski, Jake Buckley, Emily Cargill, and Rachel Kearney. Uh, Tom's Top Tips jingle sung by Tom Ababajowski. Thanks to our special musical guest, Naysayan. This show was created by Daniel Williams and was written by Daniel Williams and Jake Buckley with additional material from Tom Babajowski and Jamie Leslie. Production and editing are by Daniel Williams. The Midnight Hour is recorded at Parallel Studios and is a Huron City radio show for Albion Fields Productions.